All right, everybody, welcome to an emergency edition of the Everyday Sends podcast. I know people heard that cough. It's just me today going on my own here. Brendan has to run to work. Obviously, it's an emergency if I'm doing this on my own. So bear with me. Load up the chat so we have some stuff to talk about because obviously, obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Pierre Dorian officially resigns, I think, as general manager of the Ottawa Senators. Michael Anlauer is a little bit cryptic about that, but uh, I don't know if people stuck around when they closed the stream. Ian Mendez went up to him and you could kind of hear it still just clarifying. It sounds like it was more mutual than we're led to believe, but we're going with he's fired. I think it was the writing was on the wall, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. So uh, thanks everyone for joining here. We'll wait for more people to join in. I don't know who's going to come, but uh, this is a, a crazy, crazy day in Ottawa Senators land. Let's go through the... I guess last you know day or so, let's talk about it. Um, they were fined a first round pick for the Evgeny Dadanov situation, which again, well, I'm going to get into what Ann Lauer said about it, everything because it was it was very very candid, a very good press conference from the owner of the Ottawa Senators. Um, another thing that we're going to talk about is Steve Steos taking over as interim general manager, um, and. I, again, like I'm doing this on my own here. This is just me and the people watching. It's no, it's a discussion with all of us. So I want throw in your thoughts. I'm going to throw them up on the screen as much as I can, as often as we can. Um, because this is, uh, this is really like, like it's, it's a, uh, monumental moment in Senator's history. And I know the, the ownership was a big one too, but that's more unprecedented. This was the longest tenured GM, uh, or one of the longest tenured GMs in the NHL. And he was the GM since 2016. I don't know about you guys watching, but for me, I was in the spring of grade nine in 2016. I was just in the middle of my grade nine year. Um, and now I've graduated university. So it's been a quite a while since Pierre Dorian was the general manager, eight seasons, eight years. Um, this was obviously the beginning of his eighth season. And there's a lot to break down. First of all, I just closed the press conference for myself there. And I want everyone to let me know, like when you're watching here, like, what did you guys think of Pierre, or uh, excuse me, not Pierre Dorian, Michael Anlauer? A lot of questions, easily the most candid he's been since opening, or uh, since buying the team. Like he, to me, just felt uh, very candid. I will run through some quotes here, obviously. Uh, just going to read them off of my phone. Um, and, and a couple, like, we'll get into the Shane Pinto gambling stuff because, uh, that, that that's different. And we did talk about that on our last episode, Brennan and I did, but that was kind of, it, it, it's weird because it was a joint presser. It felt like there were three things to talk about. It was address the Shane Pinto gambling thing, which was a national story, international story, then address the Evgeny Dadanov thing. So two big things that the league brought the hammer down on the sends two penalties, a suspension and a draft pick fine. And then they had, don't have a GM anymore. So Steve Steos is named the interim GM of the Ottawa Senators. So three big things. So again, if, if I'm not suggesting there is, I don't think anyone would be doing this, but if there's disdain for some of the way the questions were asked, I have full, I, I don't envy the media members like the, the Sens had there because there's so many angles to take and it wasn't a rather long press conference. So here's the thing that I love about Michael Landlauer, um, some absolute bombshell quotes he says, why I inherited this is beyond me. He's talking here about the Evgeny Dadanov situation. Uh, and he he says, why I inherited it is beyond me. And that's the big quote, I think, of the day. He was very clear about how um, the way that the investigation went about, it, it took way longer. The trade happened almost two and a half years ago. The original one with Dadanov, the recent one with Vegas was last summer. Like they, they did you know, completely. And, and I think what I, what I want to say here is I think it feels like Ann Lauer to me is extremely frustrated with the NHL. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say based on this. Um, you know, he called out the NHL for the gambling stuff, which again, I'll get into with Shane Pinto, but the way he was talking about the way that the sale process went, because he's, he's been, uh, you know, frustrated with the league before any of this happened, right? Like he made some comments here and there about, the process and how it felt like it was just drummed up for Hollywood. And I think that's a shot at the league. You go to this now when you get two calls, like Gary Bettman's not doing himself any favors with the new owner of the Ottawa senators for a guy who says he's an owner first, or maybe not he says, but uh, for a guy who says that 
I keep saying he says this is different me doing this on my own. So bear with me, everyone. I think we're still doing, still having a good time here, but the way that he talked about the league during the sale process and just after about the team, obviously the way he described the process, it seemed like he was frustrated with how long it was and it was geared at the NHL. That's the vibe I got. Now you pile that in with the way he's talking about, um, the lack of communication with the gambling thing, the lack of communication on the Pinto front, how they didn't get, a, they weren't aware of the allegations until uh training camp, which happens to coincide with when Michael and Lauer officially bought the team. I personally think that the NHL was holding back on these allegations and all these, you know, laying the hammer down on these guys on the sends for reasons like related to the sale. They didn't want to tarnish the sale and, and make him pay the most possible, which and Lauer also said. So that's one thing I think he was very candid, which I love the thing. That's the best part to me anyway, about all of this is uh, how, you know, he just accepted responsibility because as an owner of a sports franchise, you just inherit the past of the franchise, right? And he acknowledged that. And that's kind of what he was saying about Dorian was that this was an avoidable mistake. I have to hold you accountable. Now he did say again, like the, the caption here on the YouTube is Pierre Dorian fired as Senator's GM. That's what the sources were saying. That's what everyone was, was reporting before the press conference. And Lauer opened it by saying that Pierre Dorian has resigned and he's been relieved of his duties but then we needed some clarification. Uh, and I know that we've got some questions about DJ there from Chris. Um, I am going to, I am looking at the chat here for everyone. We will get into that. I think Steve Steos, when I talk about Steos, we'll talk about the coaching staff a little bit more just because he had some, he had more things to say um, in terms of hockey operations. Cause Steos is a, is a very, very key part of this announcement today. I don't think this happens if Steos isn't on board as president of hockey ops. Um, but I think, I think, Overall, overall, this to me, I think just the Pierre Dorian not being the GM anymore is a story today. We can get into um, the details of the the draft pick compensation, uh, the Pinto stuff, and the way Ann Lauer handled all that after. But right now, I just wanted to kind of talk about general manager Pierre Dorian. And personally, I don't think I've been hiding it this summer, this offseason, but I was not a fan of Pierre Dorian. I think it dragged on way too long and way longer than it should have. I'm not going to go out there and dance on this. And I'm going to say dance on this guy's grave. Obviously he just lost his job. Um, and I don't, I, I guess that's the analogy, but that's not what I'm trying to do here at all. And I don't think that anyone is, I don't think any sense fan is going to be celebrating because if anything, it leads to more questions. We've been in a very, you know, while it hasn't been perfect at all, it's been a very known situation. You can you guess the tendencies, the the media answers, the trades, the signings. You kind of it's it was predictable for a little bit, for better or for worse. The drafting, like all of that, um, that's all going to change now. And and again, I don't know if it's for better or for worse. There are a lot of good arguments for what Pierre Dorian did for the Ottawa Senators. There's no denying that it was an absolutely polarizing tenure. Um, to, to put it lightly, I think personally, I just off the top of my head, his best moves obviously were very recently, but um, you know, his fingerprints are going to be all over this team for a long, long time. Uh, as long as Brady Kachuk is an Ottawa Senator, Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, Thomas Shabbat, like all of these guys are here because of Pierre Dorian. And I'm saying here, not even just in drafting, but long-term extensions, all of these guys who wanted to re up in Ottawa, who wanted to play here, will be here because of Pierre Dorian. Now, I'm not saying that they're walking around the halls saying I'm here because I love Dorian. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they felt about the GM. Literally just signing Thomas Shabbat to an eight-year deal, signing Brady Kachuk to a seven-year deal, drafting Brady Kachuk in general creates the ripple effect. And I think at first glance, there's going to be a lot of reflecting on Pierre Dorian's tenure here. And a lot of reflecting on bad moves, on good moves, on all, you know, the person he was, the way he treated the media, all of that. At its core, though, his fingerprints are going to be on this team for a long, long time. And there's no other way to put that. Now, as a fan of the team, as someone who's, you know, we've got a podcast that we talk about it, we we dive into every single detail of this team and who, um, you know, the decisions they make, the people they bring in, all of that. I, it's hard to kind of go into 
all of the the details and the um stories that i've heard from behind the scenes uh it's no secret i don't think i think it's it's okay to say this to people that um the media landscape in ottawa has has been you know with the melnick tenure and dorian being the gm who wasn't always the best pr person obviously had some heater quotes and would get defensive in press conferences um you know his relationship with media members was not strong with most media members was not strong and i think that reflected in the way he perceived the fans perceived him whether it was fair or not you know if uh i i know that obviously as people who are in press conferences you know you have to just report what they're saying and i and they did do that um but i personally what i think about dorian is that he let opinions and and the noise get to him too much and it might sound hypocritical for those who watched you know the last episode i absolutely tore him to shreds um but as it's it's hard when you know i'm i'm a 22 year old guy i've been a sense fan my whole life obviously it's it's pretty obvious i love hockey i grew up around it played it my whole life pierre dorian started as a scout in ottawa in 2007 and I believe his dad was a scout. I don't think with Ottawa. I don't know. Maybe with Montreal. Um, but Pierre himself had no hockey experience, like playing at a high, super, super high level, like a lot of executives do these days. There was no education experience for the executive stuff. So, you know, a lot of the drafting and some of the trades he made, you could tell it was the, this in the mind of a scout. And again, this is off the top of my head. I will check this if if it needs to be. But around the NHL, you look at general managers, executives, high-ranking executives, you know, presidents, whatever it may be, for the most part, they either played in the NHL for an extended period of time or in general at all. Um, some of them are legends in the in the game, or they have experience with, you know, like like an educational background in managing people, you know, sport management, whatever it is. Um, and with Dorian, it it was a case, I think of a guy who was elevated to a role uh in in circumstances that benefited the owner at the time being eugene melnick aka those circumstances being we could pay him as little as we wanted because he won't cost as much as these high-ranking executives again like and, and and that's not taking away from anything that dorian did i think it's hard to reflect right now but i'm trying to do that in the best you know the cleanest possible way um and I know I, we're seeing a lot of stuff here in the chat about DJ. We let's talk about DJ Smith. Let's do it. Um, and no, Stu, I don't think Alfie will be the new rule. That would be crazy. If it is, then we'll talk about that. But man, like you talk about the hate that I've put on Pierre Dory on the last week, whatever it is, like even last episode, I would hate if it can't, <laughs> comes to that with uh, Daniel Alfredson. Although Joe Sackick brought a cup to Colorado and he's a legend there already. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. Um, but We'll, we'll see. So let's talk about DJ Smith. And I want to talk about Steve Steos. Obviously, Steve Steos is going to take over as interim general manager. I've talked about this a lot since Steos was hired. In Hamilton, the exact same thing happened. He took over. He was hired as president, then took over as GM sometime after. And it wasn't very long after he was hired. So again, don't be surprised if Steos just holds the tag. And also, like I could see him hiring someone else, but um, we'll see where that all goes. But Steos had a good quote about DJ Smith. He just said, like, this guy is, uh, you know, the players believe in him, which is what we've heard forever. I've gone on about it because the games, they don't show up. It's just crazy that they still love DJ and are backing him so publicly when it looks like they're checked out. But Steos, if I think it's tough to gauge because, again, like it's going to be a change of predictability for the general manager, the tendencies, whatever it is, but we'll get used to all of that. But when Dorian and Brady Kachuk and all the players were saying, you know, DJ's the right guy, we believe in him. But yet as fans, we're seeing the exact same story play out season after season, how are results expected? But when a guy like Steve Steos comes in, he's been here for three weeks. I genuinely, and, and maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm being positive, but, or being overly positive. When Steos talked about DJ Smith in that press conference, that was the biggest takeaway I had is that he genuinely believes DJ is a good coach. And I know that that might sound like I'm just trying to be a DJ Smith, you know, enjoyer, a lover, whatever it is. Um, I, 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 that's the way I interpreted his tone. I think with other things, you know what I'm going to do? This is what I'm going to bring up. 
I want people and not, not right now. Stay watching. We're happy to have you here. I'm happy to have you here. It's just me. Um, in Steos's opening press conference with Pierre Dorian there beside him, when either of them were asked, main, mainly Steos, but when when Steos was asked about Dorian's duties, to me, like even at the time, but now looking back, the way he spoke about DJ Smith, I, I felt a completely different vibe. The way he shut down when asked about Pierre last time, just saying it'll be day-to-day, whatever it is. And now I'm not saying that they planned on getting rid of him this soon. I don't think that was the plan. I, I really do believe that. But the way he spoke about DJ just now, to me, spoke volumes over the way he spoke about Pierre earlier. Because maybe he wasn't expecting to evaluate DJ Smith, but I think he's genuinely surprised and more surprised about how well people speak about DJ and his staff around the rink probably juxtaposed to the way they feel about Dorian. So when Steve Steos comes in and he's the new boss, he's the head honcho around, he's Dorian's boss, he's obviously going to be doing interviews with every single staff member in that place, including players, um, asking what they think of their GM and their coach. And if he's saying, if if the the tone and expression in his voice is indicative, indicative of how he were, you know values DJ, then it truly will be a results-based um evaluation and i think that's that's totally fair i believe he might have even mentioned that um so i don't know you know coaching staff like the one thing that we can say the one thing we can say for uh dorian or sorry for dj and the staff is that the leash is gone and it's been gone in our heads for a while they're all expiring every like assistant coaches dj this is their last year of their contract. So it's, it's really a tryout for all of them anyway. And it probably would have been if Pierre was, was granted, you know, autonomy for the rest of the season and how to, how to say, but now I, I really do think that, that the, the, the hot seat is on for DJ and his staff, but it would have been anyway, the way we were blowing up after a four and four start, it would have been ridiculous if it wasn't. So that's all like, it's really, this is, this is upper management stuff. I know Brady is going to get asked about it tomorrow. All the guys are going to get asked about it because frankly, this is the first GM change. Any of the core. This is crazy. You think about this other than Chikrin and Clojure and Corpusalo, maybe, but I think that's it. This is the first GM change for every single player on that roster. Let that sink in for a second. Every single player, at least core player, whatever it is, first GM change in their careers. Um, that's wild to me to think about, obviously, other than Claude Giroux and Tarasenko. That's a good one there, John. Although Doug Armstrong has been there for a long time in St. Louis. I don't know if it was the only one he's had, but um, regardless, it just kind of maybe shows two things. It shows how uncommon a new GM is for players in their careers. Um and how long Pierre was here. Uh, so yeah, like it, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I, I think it, it's, I don't even want to say it's bittersweet because I was ready for a change. So many fans were ready for a change a while ago. This is probably a few years overdue overall, but you know, and I, I did mention too, like Ann Lauer um, was, was referring to how this, this should have been a, you know, a lot of avoidable mistakes, all of this. And, when he was talking about Pinto, which I want to get into right now, but when he talked about Pinto, he mentioned the salary cap because before this gambling scenario, um, it was, it was a salary cap pickle. They found themselves in they being Pierre Dorian who put them in that scenario. So that's another thing we got to talk about because the way Michael and Lauer, um, talked about Shane Pinto and that gambling situation and how he doesn't blame the young man. Um, and I know a lot of people, uh, you know, I know that a lot of, you know, gambling ads can, can be, uh, uh, a lot for a lot of people. And I think that that's what Ann Lauer is getting at. And man, just absolutely buried the NHL. Just trying to find it here. Usually when I need to find a quote, I'll throw to Brennan to make him stall or something like that. So again, I really appreciate everyone who's in here right now, just listening to me talk for 20 minutes. This was obviously way too big of news to not discuss. Um, Probably would have done it just for the first round pick compensation anyway, but the firing after another thing I want to do quickly credit to Laleem's Martian and the streets. Um, What I think, and he would probably admit this too, started as a bit of a bit for him has turned into a very reputable uh, source. And he broke three 
huge bits of sense news in the last two weeks without anyone else breaking it first. So obviously he was a little bit fast last week, but as Ann Lauer said, this was in, they met last week. So, uh, Williams Martian hat off to you, obviously. And, and he knows that, but I think he kind of got dragged through the mud a little bit. Um, just in, in terms of how he was early on that call. So I wanted to give him some credit there. So this is the quote from Michael Landlauer, and I'm, I'm quoting Brennan, obviously, who's tweeting. He's at work right now, unfortunately. Um, just leave a like, subscribe to the YouTube page, say we miss you, Brennan. We'll, we hope you're back uh, next time, and he will be. He's okay. So this is what Landlauer said. Quote, you look at a young man who is making millions of dollars and representing the community, but he's 21 years old. Wayne Gretzky goes on MGM and talks about betting, Think about being injured, having time on your hands, and a cell phone. I think, per, like I'm, the, just I think I'm a bit younger than Shane Pinto. Um, he's 21, obviously. Like he's 22 now, turning 23, whatever it is. It, that that quote um, is is hard to kind of put into words, like what what that means. I think a lot of people are mentioning that Ann Lauer might face a fine from the league because of that and the comments on the dad and off situation. I would imagine he voiced these opinions already to the NHL in those meetings. Um, but maybe they don't like it when it's public. I don't know. It's, it's obvious. What's awesome is he spoke the minds of sense fans. How many times have we talked in the last week since the Pinto news dropped about how ridiculous it is that they're sponsored by uh, sports book on their helmet. They have been for the last two seasons, two different sports books, uh, the broadcasts. And I know that like, you know, I work for, for bell media, I work for CFRA who, and bell media with TSN, with FanDuel, whatever it is, obviously it's a huge partnership. So I'm not going to, you know, I do traffic reads on the morning for, uh, you know, the, the morning rush and some of the ads are sports books. So it's everywhere. It's just a source of revenue for companies now, which you have to respect. So, and Lauer going out and saying that um, with super, super, you know, I don't want to say security, but like he's, he's been paraded around by the league. It's an owner's league. Like I said, Batman likes the owners, tries to cater to the owners um, for him to go out and say that. I can't remember a time that a owner of an NHL team outspoke against the commissioner's ruling, like quite like that. Um, Actually, funny enough, the only thing I can think of is 2013, so 10 years ago when Eric Carlson's Achilles was severed by uh, by Matt Cook and Eugene Melnick was saying he's going to go to the league and appeal it. Um, it's the only thing I can remember, to be honest. Like it, it's, it's very, very rare for an owner to do it, right? Uh, you hear it from coaches with refs and, and GMs every now and then will we'll, uh, complain about stuff. But from, a, from an owner of a team, a brand new owner, the, the newest and a guy who's been in the league for a while with Montreal uh, as an owner, you know, it speaks volumes. It, it really does. Um, so an absolutely great press conference from Michael Anlauer and Steve Steos. Um, again, one thing we need to make clear, it was a mutual resignation with Pierre Dorian. Uh, again, mutual resignation. I'll leave it at that. I think I think the writing was on the wall. Even again, the way that Anlauer was speaking, um, in the press conference alluded to the fact that it was, it was more of a, okay. Uh, so I'm just scrolling on Twitter right now. And I know that it's not a fun way to run a live show here, but um, one thing that we can expect is transparency from the Ottawa centers, which we have not gotten for decades uh, under Ann Lauer. Like we can expect transparency. I said it, I said at the time when Steos came on as president, you can't, you cannot, be in better hands than this guy. And I know it's all like easier said than done, whatever, but judging off of the way they handle media alone, Steve Steos is millions of times better than Pierre Dorian. And I know that's not just the job. You got to do the work, build relationships around the league. But this to me, just uh, like, like what you could see. And I know that Peter Shirelli's name was being thrown out there and I wanted to get into that, but I don't think that's even, a remote possibility right now. And not, not that I'm, you know, citing any sources here, but like he wasn't even mentioned. I think he's still working with the blues. He's in Sweden or whatever it is um, scouting for them or something. I saw uh, uh, floating around on there. So, you know, we'll talk about Shirelli if that becomes in rumors later down the line, but um, just when this, all these things were happening, right? Like in years past, I want to take everyone to years past when 
Um, you know, we'd have moments where the turmoil was hitting like the Uber video and, uh, help me out here, throw, throw things in the chat. Like let, let's do this since 2016, since April, 2016, when Dorian was hired, throw any crazy off ice, off ice stuff, not on ice. Um, you know, shenanigan that went on with the sends under Dorian's watch because he was the boss. He was. And unfortunately it's going to reflect on him, but I just want, like, if anyone wants to throw a comment in there, you can don't have to, I can maybe throw it up here too, for everyone. I'm just trying to get everyone involved. If you've, uh, so if you throw a comment, it'll go up there on my left, I guess, or my, my, your right. Um, yeah, like the Uber video. So my point is all these things happen off the ice this week, the Pinto suspension, the Dadnoff thing. And you can start, you can feel a little bit like the sky's falling. Like you're just, you know, not confident in the the direction of the team. But then as soon as, as soon as Pierre Dory or as soon as Theos and Anlauer get up to the podium today, for me, I'm confident. I just feel confident. I feel safe. It's like a nice bear hug or something like that. Um, there we go. Yeah. So Kevin and John both there uh, throwing up their comments. The Carlson Hoffman, like, like this is perfect, perfect examples of when the sky was falling in Ottawa, like in 2018, 2019, nothing was going right. Everyone wanted out. Um, we were the laughing stock of the league and it felt like there were never brighter days ahead. And I think with Ann Lauer and Steos right now, I feel so confident that when they make a mistake, they, and they will, they're going to talk about it. They're going to, um, they're going to, uh, uh, own up to it and be transparent. That's all any of us I think are asking for in, in the media with the sends. So um, yeah, Brent with another good one there. What about the hockey night in Canada interview where Dorian just sits quiet for 30 seconds. And then I believe that preceded uh, the infamous, we are a team quote that Pierre Dorian had. And I remember exactly when that was, that was a craft hockeyville game. And I guess maybe Newfoundland or something like that. And it was immediately a few days after they traded Eric Carlson. So it was a gloomy time uh, for Senators fans. If people might be rolling their eyes at me saying like the media stuff matters and all of that, just like Brent just, just ignited something in me. Think of all the quotes story has dropped over the years that are just ridiculous. Um, you've got, we are a team. You've got proudest days GM when he traded Mark Stone away for pennies on the dollar. You've got um, uh, the rebuild is over, you know, and after all those blew up, you could tell the way he was speaking. He wouldn't give definitive statements. They didn't put a playoff expectation on this team because of that reason. Um, so yeah, we can go on and on about Dorian, but it's not really about right now justifying why he's gone. I think everyone knows you can argue maybe and like, I don't know if anyone in the comments wants to mention some stuff about Dorian that was good. And I know there is a lot of good um, and I really don't, believe i don't believe that he's a bad general manager it just snowballed here it's snowballed here and how often does a gm get to fix their own mistakes it never happens um so and and then you know unparalleled success there from Stu. that's a great one as well um melnick threatening to move the team the day before the heritage classic like yeah this is a, like a bit of a therapy session because yeah it feels like the sky is falling with the pinto stuff and the de no first round pick in one of the next three years because of a penalty but um i don't know man like to me i just feel i get the frustration from Anlauer, but i feel confident in this hockey team and the, they're sorry i feel confident in the franchise because of the hands that they're putting the hockey team in in steve steos and michael Anlauer. um i think that press conference was really really uh, good because he was still he was candid he was still funny made some cracked some jokes but when it got down to business and he had to answer some tough questions he answered them um and so did steve theo so i have no doubts about any of that um i'm trying to uh to brainstorm here obviously twitter is uh is buzzing right now or x sorry um and i think the the main reaction here just seems to be the the way Michael Anlauer, or sorry, like, like his quotes, the way he talked about the NHL, like it's, it's unbelievable. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not, uh, really sure where to go with this next, to be honest, trading a third for Hamnick when the asking price was a fourth Dorian, his famous quote there was, we didn't have a fourth. So I just offered a third. Uh, that's another good one. 
Yeah, you know what? You know what? I don't know why I'm trying to be so respectful. This is a guy who got to live a dream for eight years as general manager of his favorite hockey team or one of his favorite hockey teams, whatever. So throw your worst Dorian trades or funniest moments in the comments. And we'll just let's just let's just have a little bit of a therapy session because I think this is a this was a special like it's a special day. And not that we have to celebrate again, like I'm saying, we're not celebrating. Um, we're reminiscing on the crazy moves that have happened for this franchise. Um, and obviously he's a big part of why they're big ones. Gus for Talbot. Look, man, we're going to find out tomorrow. I think Cam Talbot's going to get the start. If he comes in and just shuts the door, it's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of moves now. I think where that player or players draft picks, whatever you want to call it, are going to um, play against the Sens, And we're going to have to have the feeling now of that wasn't our current, GM, which is a good thing. It's a good thing that we can look at moves like that and just be like, you know what? The person who made those moves isn't here, doesn't have his hands on the team anymore. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, you can look at the Matt Murray trade. That was brutal as well. Just, I mean, both of them, when you think about it, like um, they didn't really need to clear that cap space last season when you think about it. Uh, so yeah, uh, man, uh, forgive me if I'm, if I'm going, you know, uh, on pauses here, I, I'm talking to no one, but I'm also talking to all the all the guys in the chat here, which is which is fun. Um, yeah, Matt, I I wouldn't recommend jumping off the peace tower, but I understand the sentiment. That would really suck if he outplays Corpusalo in general. That would suck. Um, second round pick on Ben Roger. Look, the the 2021 draft is, is is like shockingly bad. As good as the 2021 was, that'll probably be 2020 will probably be Pierre Dorian's. Uh, crowning achievement in general, just Stutzla, Sanderson, really Greg, uh, Marilyn and like a lot Zaitsev trade. Wow. I, I can't like believe how many moves this man made that were just mind boggling. Um, Zaitsev for CC has to be the worst trade in sense history. And I know there's also, I, I'm being sarcastic, but there's lots of bad ones that, that was ridiculous. Um, Felt like even then Dorian was on pins and needles with the goalie reaches. Yeah. So you know, what's funny actually with Craig Anderson uh, being honored recently, you know, you think they let him go. They let him walk after the 2020, uh, 2019 season. Um, why? Or maybe he played in 2020. I think he did. And they let him walk. Uh, so the, the 3d or 2d era when they got the new jerseys and that COVID shortened uh, 2021 season, like they didn't bring Anderson back. And I think they've started like 14 goalies since then, which makes absolutely no sense. You know, um, that's, that's wild to me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll bring up some other ones for people. Eric and Branson didn't have to happen. You kept them for a year. Um, you know, Braden Co they, they traded, they traded uh, Ryan Callahan's LTIR space for a second round pick Cedric Paquette and Braden Coburn. They traded a second round pick. John just threw it in there. A second round pick for Derek Stepan. They traded a second round pick and I believe uh, another prospect for Matt Murray. Um, and that's a good point by Matt. Like, you know what? This is much more fun. Why am I? I don't know why I'm trying to be so nice. Let's reminisce and just dump on all the bad stuff this guy did because that's what this that's what today is about to be honest he was there long enough i've changed i've changed opinions it took me 35 minutes let's dump on him let's do it um yeah his best trade was eric carlson let's take a let's guess you know or not guess i'm gonna walk through how lucky that eric carlson trade was so in you know in 20 what was it 19 carlson's first full season like it was 2018 19 the Sharks are a wagon. They make the conference finals, lose to the Blues, who end up winning the Cup. That could have been a Stanley Cup winning San, uh, San Jose Sharks team. The draft pick was supposed to be 2019, but was conditional for 2020. There is, and I know that no one is saying that this is, there's absolutely no way, no way that anyone in the league would have anticipated the San Jose Sharks being a bottom five team that season. Um, quite frankly, Dorian probably lucked out, and the Sens did, obviously, but... I'm just going to say Dorian because that's the past sends. Um, Pierre Dorian lucked out in the fact that that season ended early. We missed seven, eight games and the Sharks missed seven, eight games. They win a few of those. That's not the third overall pick anymore. So it, it really worked out in the sense favor. That was the one bit of lucky, you know, a lucky break that we got in the rebuild was, was 
having those two picks in the top five, um, the picks alone, I think you can give them credit for at the top because, you know, way back in 2020, I, uh, when I started blogging and writing and stuff and the Sens were just really bad. It was one of, it was that season where we were cheering for them, for them to lose every game. Um, that year I went through a bunch of the four, the past Stanley cup winning teams. So the most recent at the time was the St. Louis blues. Every team for the last decade before that had at least one top five pick on their team. So you need a top five pick basically to be a, be a cup contender. Um, obviously every, at least five teams pick in the top five every year. So you have to hit on it. And I think to his credit, they hit on Tim Stutzla, they hit on Jake Sanderson and they hit on Brady Kachuk and Michael and Lauer mentioned those three guys as people who will have Pierre on his fingerprints all over it. So that's what's, uh, that's, what's crazy um, about the Carlson trade. They got lucky. Um, let's go through some more here that were thrown up. Um, I don't know why I took that off because now the new ones will go there, but we've got some good ones um, finishing every season strong with young guys and then getting guys like good Branson Coburn and Josh Brown in the off season hurt my soul. I completely agree. Um, I understand the justification for getting those guys and, you know, I, I understand it. Doesn't mean I agree with it though. You know, uh, they could have pivoted, you know, I think Devon Tays was what for two second round picks. And he's one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Um, stuff like that could have, uh, you know, expedited this process a lot more. Um, step on for a second is, is, is crazy. Uh, and, but that's a good point by Stu that, it, you know, they just would have picked another bomb. I like that. There were a lot of, and I still believe in Tyler Boucher. It just, he can't stay healthy, but um, it was really funny uh, seeing, you know, why why are we getting up in arms about them just losing another Tyler Boucher? But uh, I like that Steos is already saying, like, we're going to analyze which one we think is the right one to give up. Um, I would imagine if they make the playoffs this season, they'll give up this one just because uh, they still have the Red Wings and Bruins and or the Bruins one. Um, yes, John Zabanajad was actually Pierre Dorian. That was his first big trade he made. Um, crazy. We're going all the way back. And one of the best centermen in the NHL is, is on another team because of Pierre Dorian. That's a great, great point. Um, I didn't hate, I didn't hate that trade. I still don't hate it because, um, Zabanajad would have been gone in the rebuild. Anyway, that trade was made to get a better player you know, in brackets, but I think Derek Broussard proved he was a great addition for that, um, for that playoff run. I still stand by that, but it's still like, obviously a trade can look good one year and then look terrible the next year. And that's your, that's on you as the GM. And he, that, that trade looks absolutely brutal on him to bring it alone, man. Uh, wow. Yeah. Like here's a good question. Uh, do you think Dorian's, um, uh, you know, his last three seasons, do you think those are grounds for being fired? You know, like let's, let's start in, or maybe I, I did that question of the day the other day about what, what's been his worst move since 2020 or the 2020 draft. So after getting Stutzel and Sanderson, basically the 2d era, like they wore those 2d jerseys, the nice ones that shortened COVID year. So since then, like, has he made any egregious moves? Um, not, awful awful ones but a lot of the stuff people are mentioning you know like the step on trade good branson coburn josh brown um uh, talbot gustafson like there, there's a lot of moves that are questionable uh trading to bring it for for a seventh overall pick trading a 12th overall pick for jacob chikrin with no playoff appearances to show for it i mean it's uh it's tough it's tough it really is because um actually you know what's tougher is that as fans we're still really bullish on this team and we should be we should be for good reason but uh there were there were a lot of red flags during this tenure i think the more we sit on them and more the more we reflect that'll come out uh you know and i i alluded earlier just to like how many um how, how behind the scenes, just like, especially in the early days during that rebuild, uh, how ugly it was. And I know it wasn't really, not a lot of it was common, you know, out in their knowledge, but a lot of it was, it was just obvious. It was an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and yeah, uh, Celtic Canadian. I agree, man. I agree. Or, or, you know, 
I, I, it's hard to, I'm sure people can read that there. What Celtic Canadian said, I think Shirelli won't be that bad as a replacement with Steos there to hold him accountable. Have to remember he held, he did lead a team to a cup with that Bruins and he built that. He did. He did. Um, I think with the Oilers and I know, I know a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, he still made these bad trades and he did. And you can't defend that. Um, but, but with the Oilers, you got to remember he took over when they drafted Connor McDavid, like, like his first move was drafting McDavid and the Oilers were a team that had so much talent. It's almost like if the Sens had all these drafted players and then almost not even like getting chicken into blanket, but if like last year they tanked and got Connor Bedard, you know, so you get a new GM then. And then it's like, like sort of similar. I want to say like all of the top picks that the Oilers had. Um, so they were in dysfunction and Oilers ownership is also notoriously not very easy. I don't think to deal with, uh, and, and that again, that's just me. I'm speculating and I'm not defending the moves Shirelli made like Larson for Taylor Hall looked bad at the time. Um, and probably still isn't great. The rumor that he wanted to do CC for Hall straight up is again, also bad. But to me, I think that's pressure from ownership. It's get rid of one of these guys who's been here for eight years and has done anything and go get me a defenseman. The defenseman market wasn't great. So he was looking at Adam Larson and Cody CC. Like, I think that's what happened, but I'm looking at, um, Shirelli in Boston, like, like everyone said with Claude Julian, who might become an Ottawa. Um, both of them are from the area, been around here for a while and they both want a cup in Boston. I don't know. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. Um, it's, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know how f- people feel about um, most of pure. I'm just reading the comments here. Most of the pure Dorian's moves were no brainers. Any other GM worth their salt would have made those moves. Hard to disagree. It's hard to disagree. I think the only ones you can maybe push back on that are Sanderson, Kachuk. Uh, Stuislow was pretty consensus, but like Kachuk and Sanderson were off the board, not by 10 and 12 picks, but they were off the board at the time. They were not uh, projected to go there. Protecting CC over Mathot. Justin, that's a banger. That might be the best one we have right there. That might be it. That is absolutely early days Dorian as well. That might be the worst move he's made. Um, and I'm going to clip that for Mark Mathot right there. Uh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. So let's take let's go back. Um, the Sens tried to get, so obviously in that protection era the first one with vegas where they vegas got an absolute wagon um right out of the gate the sends elected to protect i think seven forwards and 3d so they protected carlson dion Phaneuf had a full no move clause let's go back to those full move <laughs> pierre dorian might be seeing no movement clauses in his sleep uh but yeah like like the i think Phaneuf had a full no trade no move whatever it is so the sends had to get him to waive it so they could expose him they asked him and Funuf said no. So they had to choose who to protect CC or Mathot. The Sens went with the younger Cody CC. Uh, and then two years later, traded Cody CC for Nikita Zaitsev and Connor Brown. That's a great one. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, Brent here also adding some context there. Um, the Vegas wanted a second round pick for the Sens to not, or for them to not take Mathot. So they're basically bribing them and it worked with Florida and they took Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau, who are franchise legends in Vegas now, Stanley Cup champs. Um, really funny. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great, great one that I didn't even think about. Uh, so good on um, Justin there for bringing that one up. Stu talking about uh, how, you know, can we talk about how half of our draft picks in the last five years were based on bloodlines, connections, and character? Yep. Yep, that was the philosophy. Clearly the philosophy going in. He was the one who set that precedent. Um, I don't hate it overall. I think they have a lot of great people in the organization, which is a good thing. Um, but when you only base it on that, I think when all this hockey operations staff gets expanded uh, and has been expanded already, people might get concerned about too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, and there's a lot of pointing to Eugene Melnick and how... Uh, the way he ran his front office, like he had no money. Um, Dorian himself, even in Steos's opening press conference, uh, said that he's been begging for help for years. 
I don't buy that for a second. Uh, I think Pierre had an issue working with people. Um, Pierre Maguire is a great, in, uh, you know, example. Trent Mann didn't last long in uh, the AGM role. Like it, the writing is a little bit on the wall there. Like there was one, I, th- I think when, obviously when Eugene Melnick passed away, there was this sense that we're through it. We did it. Pierre's going to be a new man without the reins, without, you know, this evil owner looking over him the whole time, this bad person. Um, but when examples started flowing out, kept coming in, I should say, about um, just the lack of professionalism, uh, the, you know, lack of collaboration with other player, other executives. Um, I don't think he would have, I don't think he welcomed new people in that sphere because they questioned and doubted him and moves that he would make. And that was, that's why some of these moves were made. Like, so I'm saying like when there's not different philosophies and you just go with one and we're fed a narrative for years and years and years, like this is going to work, trust the rebuild unparalleled success. Um, you know what? On that note, Pierre Dorian is responsible for why the rebuild happened. He came to Eugene Melnick with a plan to rebuild. Eugene was not a fan of rebuilding. It was not his idea. Pierre sold him on it. That's that's just the the um you know, all of this pain uh and and I think you know, long long um playoff drought longest in franchise history um was a result of dorian just in over his head uh and you can't it's it's hard to and again i don't i'm not like celebrating here i'm I'm here we're here to reflect this is really here to uh have a reflection on the way that this guy uh uh you know went about his business it was any it was far from precedented and around the league it it didn't you know uh different fan bases would you know laugh at the sends for the way they drafted and the way their players were you know the 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 funding around the team was very small market and it didn't really indicate a canadian market i should say um but the off-ice shenanigans were again because of eugene melnick and that's fine um, because that's going to change now. The Ann Lauer's here. That's all gone out the window. Even when Eugene passed away, that changed. The thing with Dorian was they didn't conduct their hockey operations like other NHL teams. And that to me is, uh, indicative of the problem that was here in Ottawa from when Eugene was still here and still with us. So that's why I think this just, this move just had to happen. Um, I, I, the run of unparalleled parallel success, I'm sure that was mostly Melnick. I don't think that's a thing that the Sens wanted to have public or that Dorian wanted to have public. Um, and obviously COVID derailed it a little bit. Uh, but Dorian's rebuild plan, the 112-page plan he brought to Eugene Melnick in Barbados in February of 2018, there is no way in hell, absolutely no way in hell, it didn't have the Sens in the playoffs after 2023. So my point is, there's no way that Thanks, Brennan. Appreciate it in the chat there. Um, there's no way uh, that Dorian had the plan to not have made the playoffs by this season. I think the plan was to have made it a couple of years ago or already, and he was scrambling. And I don't think that's crazy to say. Um, you can, you know, the bad start in 2021 uh put them out of the playoffs if they went 500 against the oilers that year when they lost nine games to the edmonton in that canadian division if they even went 500 against them they were in the playoffs you win four or five of those games they're in the playoffs 2022 covid ravages the team in november injuries uh you name it um or sorry 2021 november so the 2021 22 season they're way out of it don't even sniff the playoffs don't come close Eugene Melnick passes away in March 2022. That season or that summer, Pierre Maguire gets fired by Pierre Dorian. Um, and then 
they sign or they trade for Debrinket, trade the seventh overall pick on draft day. We're all saying, whoa, this is this is a big deal. Our owner's gone. The bad times are done. We're safe. We're saved. We're moving picks now. We don't care about the rebuild. Dorian's a new man. The summer of Pierre is here. Trades Cam, uh, Philip Gustafson for Cam Talbot. We're buzzing. Signs Claude Giroux. Buys out Michael Delzato. Moves Matt Murray for future considerations. And moves Matt Murray with a few other draft picks. And then they stumble out of the gate again in November of 2022. Last year, they stumble. They're 5-8. and eight. They had a battle on November 25th. I'll never forget this. Playing the Ducks, the loser would have been in last place in the NHL. They were last place in the NHL on American Thanksgiving. After all those moves, after everything, teams up for sale though. We're looking good. Pierre's got to, you know, Pierre has to uh, uh, make the team look good for for the owners, whatever it is. Maybe that's what the summer of Pierre was about. It was about getting the fans reinvigorated. He signs Tim Stutzla, signs Josh Norris that summer. The core is locked in. The core is bought in. Trades for Jacob Chikorin at the trade deadline, 2023. Makes a pretty great move on a guy who they were rumored to have a long time. Price was astronomically high, rumored. He gets it down to a reasonable price. Makes a great trade at the deadline. They win five in a row around then. They're three points out with two games in hand on the Florida Panthers. They lose five in a row. They're out of the playoffs. We're not making it this year. That's six straight seasons and under Pierre Dorian, no playoffs. And they don't do anything. And they did nothing. I don't know if he didn't have the go-ahead on making a coaching change. But one thing is for sure. He wanted to wait for ownership's approval. Michael Landlauer got control of the team in September, went on TSN 1200 with JR and Steve Lloyd. Sometime after he took over the team that week, September, week before or during training camp. Landlauer said that Dorian came up to him and said, what do you want to do with DJ Smith? That right there explains the entire tenure of Pierre Dorian's time as Ottawa GM. He did not have autonomy in the early years. He had to go to the board or whoever um, because he was a he was in a, a makeshift GM position, if I want to say. So he did have control. He did do the stuff, but every move had to be approved. And that's on that's on brand i think for what we expected but my point is we're in the middle of a four and four start here i don't know what's going to happen with this team in the next month this core a lot is going to be questioned um certain players like no one's safe i don't think except for kachuk sanderson and stutzla pretty much you know so my point is I, i just laid out that entire timeline in the last two years um of where the like we, we've gone hype super high all the way down like the highs and lows and i think the problem was that pierre dorian rode those highs and lows with us and i think that's going to be the mark on his tenure as sense gm that when things got bad they got really bad for him as well but when they were good he rode that high with the rest of us and while that might seem like it's kind of innocent and that's good that's not what you need as a general manager of an nhl team you have to have your head screwed on right uh, win or lose, winning streak, losing streak, whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying I didn't like the chicken trade because of the winning streak. I think it was great. The team showed they deserved it. But to not make a coaching change this summer when you've got one year left on DJ's deal, you could have started fresh. And I'm not, again, I'm not doubting DJ, but that that is going to be the mark on his, on his career that they didn't make a change maybe because the board was telling him not to. Um, it would have been a good time to do it. That's just kind of my my thinking is like the lack of accountability for DJ Smith and his staff um, mixed with the messaging for DJ and his staff being like, we're trying to rebuild. We're not trying to, you know, I'm not giving you a roster to win. Like, I don't know if in 2021 when Stutzla was a rookie in that season, are we really trusting that the message from Dorian to DJ was we're trying to lose? No shot. They were trying to win. They were all in, not all in, but they were more invested in that season than they were the year before. And that's not even up for debate. So I think it was just a lot of backpedaling. It was a lot of, we're not putting a label on this season. We were happy playing meaningful games last year. 
That's what the Sens said. They were good with where they got last year. But then you go to the captain, Brady Kachuk, who said they folded under the pressure of last season during November. The messaging was mixed. Pierre Dorian um, had a complicated tenure as GM. And yeah, I can't believe I just talked for an hour basically uh, to myself, but you guys have been pretty fun in the chat. Um, there's a lot, a lot. Yeah, the summer of Pierre was his highlight of his tenure for sure. Um, it was fun, man. I got a t-shirt. I did everything. Uh, I, I was on board. I was, my my whole brand, I think on Twitter, is not a brand even, um, but I was a part of the Pierre Dorian fan club. I, I It was just my bio. It wasn't actually a fan club, but um, the first you know, uh, uh, time I tried to like make a name, if that makes sense, you know, just kind of defending some of the moves he made in like at the time it was 2020, I want to say, um, didn't hate them, didn't hate them. But like I said, since 2020, it's been three years, man, uh, four years pretty much. Uh, and, and that's too much, too much time to not have any results. So it was time for this to happen. I'm glad if it had to happen like this because now Steos can get his hands in there, not let Dorian just kind of do what he thinks was best. And I know I see that from Brent there, like, would we be satisfied with Dorian's choice as next coach? Like almost, I want to, it sounds really depressing, but we wouldn't have a choice, you know, like it would be that or nothing. Um, uh, and yeah, like he, it's crazy. He only hired two coaches. Really, he promoted Mark Crawford when uh, they let go of Guy Boucher, but he only hired two coaches in eight years, and that that might be uh, what what sealed his fate. I think. Actually, you know what? It's a good, interesting analogy. Like if if they were eight and zero, or seven and one, or six and three, or whatever it is, or six and two, um. I still think this happens. I do. Uh, and, and I don't think any of us would be questioning it. Uh, you know, I lay, I laid out every coach or every Canadian team in 2019, since 2019, when DJ Smith was hired, has hired a new coach, has both, sorry, has both simultaneously hired a new coach and made the playoffs at some point in that tenure, you know, which is crazy to think about that. We've just been sitting here with the exact same regime for four years with no results. It's unacceptable to me. Um, so times are changing. It's a new era for Ottawa Senators hockey officially. I think when Ann Lauer and Steos came in, it was, it felt good and everything, but it was still the same hands on the team. That's not the case anymore. Pierre Dorian is out as Ottawa Senators general manager. He had been the GM for eight years, more than eight years. It was eight and a half April of 2016. Um, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I'm a little bit speechless, even though I wasn't for an hour there. That was actually a very long stream. But um, the drink throwing the clip as soon as we close out this. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait, I don't know what that means, Matt. I, I'm kind of confused if you want to clarify that. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Dorian throwing his drink. Dorian throwing his drink. Yeah. Um, he did have some good moments. You guys want to throw in your funniest Pierre Dorian moments? He dropped some good quotes, um, for better or for worse, obviously. But like he, he had some moments, man. He was a pretty funny guy. I think he's a great guy to like hang out with. It seems like, um, I think he's got some some buddies who are on Twitter. Uh, unfortunately, you know, if I was Dorian, I would tell them to stay away because only toxic. But, um. That was a good clip. Yeah. Yeah. He's had some memes. I got, I got some, I got some pictures of Dorian that are just great for reactions. Um, very reactionary guy, but I almost, I want a robot as a GM. I want what Vegas has. I know it's, they get scrutinized for being cutthroat. They have three coaches in six seasons, missed the playoffs once and they won the Stanley cup. So that to me is what I want to be as a sports fan. Um, yeah. Uh, so that, that, I think that's going to do it, man. Um, that's been fun. I want to get on Twitter and look at what people are saying because it's it's, it's kind of uh, this is this is what we you know this doesn't happen all the time. A GM getting fired in your in your city it it, it never happens. Uh, Brian Murray stepped down, and I can't remember another GM firing to be honest, which is crazy. So yeah, uh, Melnick Borowiecki interview also the funniest thing ever. 
There's another thing on Dorian. Why didn't they just keep Borrow? Like, why didn't Anderson stick around? You know, like all of that is is just there's gonna be so many things that just come out that we remember in the next few years, and we're just like, wow, how did that like how was that okay? Um yeah, yeah. Um, nonetheless, this is a positive day. I know we got Dr. First Round pick. Um Jared Cowan, like, yeah, these are lot lots of great uh moments here. We'll we'll be breaking it down on the Everyday Sends YouTube page. If everyone could leave a like on the YouTube page, subscribe if you aren't already. Um, head over to everydaysends.com and subscribe as well. We've got some analysis on there all the time. Um, but yeah, just leave leave a subscription for us. These are new days for the Ottawa Senators. You will not hear me harping on Pierre Dorian anymore because he is not the general manager of the Ottawa Senators anymore. So thank you everyone for joining. Really appreciate everyone sticking around with me. It's just me and my ugly face here. So um, thank you. And I will see everyone next time. Not sure what we might have a pregame one for you in store tomorrow. We will find out. So thanks everyone for joining. Subscribe to the Everyday Sense podcast and go send go.